This is the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. And this is Bob Olin. Good morning, Bob. <laughs> well, good morning, Dave, and happy spring to you. Yeah, spring is sprung, I guess, but it's, uh, I don't know, kind of white looking out there yet, but more <laughs> snow on the way, man? too, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the winter that just doesn't want to give up, does it, this year? <laughs> well, we got to get out and start tilling those gardens. When that's going to happen, I wonder. Well, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like I've said on numerous occasions, it's light that drives all this. We are very far north, as, as you've observed, and so our springtime will be delayed just a little bit. And what we do want to just caution people, we learned this a little bit last year. Now, I, I you know, we rarely have years that repeat. We just... Assume that if we have a dry year, we're going to have a dry year. We assume if we had a very wet year, that we're going to have a wet year. Well, last year we had a very, very cold and late spring. Uh, I was chomping at the bit, trying to get in the ground in the month of May there. We had snow in the ground uh, still in early May. And I would anticipate that uh, that may not happen this year. You know, the thing that's so remarkable is things can change very quickly once that sun begins to beat down and we start melting some snow. We do, of course, have uh, uh, this forecast coming up here, don't we, Dave, which is kind of remarkable. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me uh, where are we at in terms of our uh, you know, total snowfall? Are we getting close to some kind of a record? Do you have those statistics? I don't have there? them handy. I think we're like up to 122 inches, something like that. That is just amazing. Yeah, man. we're, we're in the top 10, but we've got a ways to go yet before we can set a record. Uh. We don't necessarily have to set a record on my part, that's for sure, Dave. <laughs> I agree. I think we've had plenty. But... <laughs> I think we've had plenty. But uh, there are two things, if you notice, you go through life that are out of your control, Dave. That's right. And that might be one of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the weather we can't do a whole lot about. But what we can depend on is days getting longer and the sun getting more intense. Mm-hmm. And uh, this opens up all kinds of possibilities for us. We're really looking forward to a, a very good growing season. Matter of fact, uh, we mentioned this earlier, no frost in the ground, all this moisture. We'd like kind of a slow melt, but the, the later uh, this goes in the air, the greater the likelihood that we're going to have more of a rapid melt. But a lot of that's going to be picked up uh, by the soil moisture. And take you back again, we had very dry conditions in the uh, south in the cities area. They're very dry last year, very concerned about soil moisture. They're picking that up, of course. We had all the difficulty in the southwest. You know, we are so really dependent upon moisture and so fortunate, uh, you know, it's great continental United States where we we have moisture, which we need right now. And uh, certainly so much of uh, agricultural productivity, that call, that's all about eating uh, throughout the world is dependent now that the Ukraine isn't really as available as they were before, very dependent upon the Midwestern uh, farmer getting out there and getting things done. And, you know, uh, for our gardeners, uh, it's no big secret that food prices have gone up. Just about everything has gone up. And uh, one thing you can do, certainly, is you can grow a little bit of your own. Mm-hmm. And if you're a little bit uh, careful about how you do that, uh, you can uh, lose money with your vegetable garden, or you can actually help with the food budget a little bit, depending on how you do that. And uh, some of that is a knowledge base. You know, as I go through life, uh, that old expression, knowledge is power, I I see that more and more and more, people that pay attention, people that are curious, people that develop, you know, their own uh, skills, their own hobbies, and then just kind of make them work for their own lives. I think it becomes more and more important. So going back to the gardening, if you're a vegetable gardener, uh, this year I think we want to pay a little bit of attention. If you want to enhance the uh, 
certainly the the family food budget. Uh, we can take a little look at that. Probably going to do a segment. You know, we got a big uh, gardening conference coming up on April 15th. I'm actually pretty excited about this one. We have, uh, at this point, I have uh, 10 professionals in the area that are contributing their time expertise uh, to that event, Spring Gardening Extravaganza on April 15th down at the depot. To give you just a little taste, we're going to look at... Uh, we're going, to, we're going to organize it around the concept of designing your northern cottage garden, some unique things. Uh, there's been a lot of interest in cottage gardening and cottage garden design. It's, it's different, certainly, than a lot of our more modern designs because we go back to the early 1800s. And uh, at that particular time, all cottage gardens started as edible gardens because uh, food was really local then. Nothing was being moved around other than uh, by ox cart probably coming in from the countryside into some of the urban areas. Now, of course, we move food all around the world, but um, everything was very local, and these cottage gardens did start edible, so we're going to have an edible component there. Uh, but then they've kind of uh, gradually transitioned into uh, floral gardens, and we're going to take a little look at that to give you an idea. We're going to talk about design principles. We're going to talk about your basic heirloom perennials and self-seeding uh, annuals. Take a look at hollyhock as an example. We're going to take a look at herbs that were actually used to cooking, and I'm pretty excited. i got a chef that's working with one of our master gardeners on doing a session in the afternoon on taking those herbs and getting them into your cooking so you can minimize uh, salt, fat, and uh, sugar, and things make your veggies and other um, menus very, very tasty. So that's going to be fun. Uh, looking at uh, the types of uh, fruits and the small fruit uh, uh, cottage garden that would be available there. And then, very pleased, got a gentleman that's a professional uh, landscape hardscaper. Uh, hardscape and our landscape, these are the walkways and the walls and the retaining walls and the other rock work that's done. He brought pavers into the greater Duluth Superior area way back when. He's going to talk about successfully uh, putting down some of your own pavers if you want to do a patio or you want to do a walkway. That's just the morning. And then we're going to follow up with some very detailed, in-depth workshops in the afternoon, and we're going to be looking at uh, a large number of topics there for both edibles, uh, uh, garden fertility. Uh, we've got uh, about 13 different workshops putting together, so people can't get in them all, but we tend to back up everything with uh, with print material. So it's going to be a great day. we got good pre-registration. haven't even promoted it or, or don't have a news release out on it yet, and already we've got 30 or 40 people signed up. So it's going to be a very full day, and uh, we'll give you more details on that as we, as we go along. But it's part of the excitement. Uh, I'm very pleased that we've got this incredible number of professional people in our area, and they are professionals that have made great livings uh, in the hort industry, and they're joining us and sharing their expertise with the public. It's going to be a very good day. Dave. I don't know how you can cram all that in in one day, actually, from what you told me. Well, that's a whole lot a of stuff of, to cover. <laughs> it's a little bit of a challenge. You know, <laughs> if I have a problem, it's one of maybe over uh, over uh, scheduling some things. <laughs> we will get we will get a lot of content, right. and it's it's very unique. And as I say, people will get to pick and choose. They obviously can't get to all of that. Right. But uh, we're going to go from uh, content from 9 in the morning until about 3.30. You will have a full day, and uh, you'll learn a lot on that day for sure, Dave. You said there's already some advanced registrations. How do you go about doing that, Bob? 
Yeah, I think um, probably we've got a couple of options. You can Google St. Louis County Extension. Uh, there's what we call a Z-Link out there. It'll give you all the details on the on the program. You can also call uh, the St. Louis County Extension Office, 218-733-2870, 218-733-2870. And I think, uh, you know, as I look at this, I look at people that are sneaking in without any... <laughs> uh, pre-registration or ah. we just had a mailer that went out uh, that was just Saturday or there early today yesterday that people got that but uh, we might be capacity constrained so if you want to attend you want to get your registration in early it's going to be a very fun day for sure minimal cost and you get a lot of stuff too right yeah you're going to get lunch you're going to get a book we're scrambling wow. to put together you're going to get all the training there is a charge of thirty dollars we have to cover the right. expenses of the day but that certainly doesn't include all the people that are contributing so much including the st louis county master gardeners uh it's going to be a very very full day and and, and very enjoyable day so we're looking forward to it and uh maybe we'll pull a few of our speakers on just to share for the general listening audience, some of the content. Uh, I'll tell you, I've been on uh, emailing folks back and forth this morning, and I'm so pleased that our speakers are, are really engaged in this whole process. It's going to be great, Dave. All right. Again, that's, uh, what, tax day, April 15th, making tax day more tolerable. Yes, I guess so, and I guess yeah. you get a couple more days. I guess it's April 18th. Oh, that's right. Day, so <laughs> you will still have, uh, don't worry about your taxes, but probably myself included, because it's a pretty big year. But you got a couple more days to finish up uh, before that day. But All we right. won't forget that, that date, will we? <laughs> that's right. Uh, Bob Olinchow will continue. We'll take a break. 926 now at KDAO. It's the Bob Olin Show, brought to you by Dan's Garden Center, located inside Dan's Feed Bin on Hammond Avenue in Superior, and by Matilda's Dog Bakery and Pet Nutrition Center in Lakeside, across from the Lake Walk. Get your questions in now by calling 218-722-0839. Well, Bob, we can't really get out and do much in the garden at this point. What should we do to prepare for the, well, hopefully a gardening season that will be coming up soon? <laughs> Well, we got a gardening season coming up soon, and actually, uh, we're getting in the greenhouse very soon here, ah. and starting to open up some of these uh, crops that we're going to grow. Uh, I thought we'd touch a little bit on, uh, I mentioned the fact we get going early with onions, very slow if you're going to start them from seed. You have plenty of other options, of course. You can start them from transplants. You can start on what we call sets, which were the bulbs were grown last year, and you you can see them in a lot of outlets in a little mesh bag and so forth. So. We do have other ways. You don't have to necessarily start your onions and your onion uh, crops from seed. You can uh, you certainly have other options. But it's kind of nice. we got a good greenhouse industry that uh, I'm always very supportive of our local, um, we'll call them Ma and Pa, but all kinds of people own uh, the greenhouses and local greenhouses and pay a great deal of attention to varieties, variety selection, and I think that's very, very important. And I'm very appreciative of these smaller a business as many of them are are run by uh by women really and doing a tremendous job i think it's uh, part of their love for the for the flowers and so forth and uh very very good and dedicated growers and uh good business people as well so always love to support them so there will be a lot of product out there uh we do provide uh, variety lists based on some of our trial work, and uh, a lot of these growers are the ones that uh, really provide some of the locally, some of those varieties that perform best locally for us in this particular area. But 
if you want to get started, I mentioned onions. Uh, starting uh, peppers will probably be our next uh, crop. Pepper seeds kind of interesting. And maybe I, I'll use peppers just as an example. If you want to start some of your own crops from seed, uh, transplants, obviously, peppers, potatoes, frost-sensitive uh, crops. So we're going to start a lot of this in the greenhouse prior to the prior to the beginning of the season because as soon as the frost is gone, we have to have plants that are pretty well grown. We do want to be a little cautious. I, I mentioned last year, Dave, you know, we had snow in May, so everybody uh, kind of delayed their planting schedules, and it was too early to get in. We have to be careful. Uh, one of our uh, owners of greenhouses, she, she always tells me, uh, you got to treat these plants like they, they're your children. They are tender and vulnerable when they're young, so we don't want to set them out too earlier. So I think there's an awareness of that if we have a cool spring. But uh, the calendar, so we want to look at two things. We want to look at the weather forecast. We also want to watch the calendar because with each advancing day, uh, we get more daylight uh, coming up to the longest day of the year on June 20th. And we want to make sure that these plants are in the ground that can take advantage of all that uh, available sunlight late May and early June. If we don't get it at that time, uh, we don't get the growth on the plants, and oftentimes we don't get fruit set up later in the year. So uh, my advice is is to watch it. I'm going to have to watch it a little more closely as well. What often happens if we have a very cool spring is uh, we're going to delay, but then we suddenly get a break in temperatures, and we really have to be ready to get out there and put all your other schedules on hold if you can and get some of these uh, plants in the ground so don't miss that that really sunny period of time. So we're going to look at peppers. Uh, peppers are kind of unique. There's a lot of interest in peppers. We did a sur- survey uh, electronically based on our uh, folks that uh, uh, we contacted via email, and it, it came back with some surprises in what they were really interested in. Peppers were not number one, but they were about number uh, two on the list. Uh, they were before tomatoes, which is the number one crop uh, nationwide in the country. People want to grow tomatoes. They have high value. We talk about tomatoes. we got some changes, always new varieties there. But surprisingly, the number one crop that they wanted information on was cauliflower. And uh, we may have mentioned this before. I did a little segment up in Iron about growing some of the new cauliflower. There are some very colorful varieties, green, orange, and Purple are the ones that are rather remarkable, and some of these are mutations that have been developed. They had a lot of interest, but uh, cauliflower being gluten-free and the uh, the interest in non-grain products, uh, you can raise cauliflower, low-calorie, high-fiber. Uh, they they taste. Uh, they can be with herbs and other seasonings. You can put, I think, a lot of different tastes there. So, Consequently, uh, there seems to be a great deal of interest in cauliflower. So we'll probably do a segment on that uh, on April 15th for for the veggie growers that uh, wanted uh, want some ideas there. I have had a very uh, great deal of interest in cauliflower. I've grown them for a long, long time, and I've, I've come to a couple of conclusions of how you can be successful this far north. Good crop for us, but fussy crop. You got to be very careful how you how you do grow them. Is that similar uh, to broccoli, it, uh, Bob, and as far as growing goes? It's tougher than broccoli, it in all is. honesty, okay. because, uh, yeah, I would say uh, if we take a look at the cabbage family, these are what we call mm-hmm. coal crops, C-O-L-E, cruciferous crops. They're all closely related, but uh, cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, uh, kale are in there as well. 
but I think the leafy greens kale are probably the easiest to grow. Number two is anything that's leafy and doesn't have a flowering head is going to be easier to grow, so cabbage is in there as well. And then uh, then we probably look at broccoli, and broccoli we've got a flowering head, of course, and uh, but they're a little bit less sensitive to stress. So out of this entire group, uh, I would say that cauliflower is the most challenging because you've got a uh, what we call a primordial head, that uh, that head that we all want to consume, which is a, a flower head as well, although you don't see the flowers there. But nonetheless, uh, it uh, it's very sensitive when it's beginning to set up, sensitive to all kinds of stress. That can be it can be too hot, it can be too cold, it can be too wet, it can be too dry, and uh, it can be uh, you can lack the proper nutrition. Any one of these things uh, make it challenging to for that head to set up and form. So with cauliflower, we've basically got a summer crop, we've got a fall crop, and quite frankly, the fall crop is the easiest to grow. Uh, we eliminate, uh, we avoid some of the real insect problems we have with the summer crop, and it takes longer to grow, longer to mature, but it's a cool weather crop. And when your head is beginning to form, uh, we're mid-summer when we set out plants for a fall crop, and we don't have uh, certainly some of the, the cold weather stress. If we set them out in mid-May to uh, early or late May, uh, we run that risk of damaging the head even if we don't freeze. Now, all these crops are frost-resistant, but that doesn't mean that that immature, what we call primordial head, the head's there being formed before you can even see it, uh, that cell tissue as it's beginning to divide is very vulnerable to uh, cooler temperatures Certainly, a frost can uh, can set those heads back where you will get a head that buttons up, where it, it matures, and people are real happy. Oh boy, I've already got a, a cauliflower beginning to form. It's about half dollar size, and it stays half dollar size. So we've got uh, all of those things we've got to uh, got to contend with, and we got to deal with. But we'll we'll share some of those ideas and some of what we found to be good varieties. And there certainly are a lot of things out there in the cauliflower world. Again, low calorie, and I think that's where there's all this interest. We've got cauliflower pizza crust, which remarkably I I wasn't aware of the intense <laughs> interest there, but yeah. I don't quite understand all of this. But nonetheless, uh, it's out there, and people want to. You can, in fact, grow your own cauliflower, make your own uh, cauliflower pizza crust if you <laughs> if you are so if you so desire. But rather uh, remarkable, Dave, and we'll share some of that. I've also seen the cauliflower being riced, so to speak, where they cut it into little tiny pieces, and it's just like rice, but without all the rice, I guess, <laughs> things that aren't good for you. Well, the thing, people, rice is carbs, and yeah. people are concerned with uh, diabetes, type 1, type 2. Mm-hmm. Carbs are very important, so we minimize that. And uh, People ask me, how do you rice cauliflower? I think you just put it on a grater, those heads, and, there you go. and grate it down. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty interesting, but uh, there is a lot more nutrition, certainly, in cauliflower than there is in rice, and you don't have the carbohydrates, so there are a lot of good reasons, so it can certainly be substituted there. You know, you can you can rice it, you can stake it, and I've seen people mm-hmm. take, uh, you know, uh, just cross-sections and stake it out like you would uh, stake out a steak, I guess, oh, okay. and, and season it up, and... Uh, kind of interesting you know chick-fil-a the big restaurant uh, or chicken fast food uh, restaurant don't have any in the twin ports but down the cities they're sure they're nationwide and their first vegetarian offering just announced a short time ago was actually a uh, uh, a cauliflower based 
I don't know what you're going to call it, a nugget or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> you season it up, right? It tastes just like chicken. I think that's the case, like a lot yeah. of things can, for sure. All right, we got a quick so, call here, Bob. Do... Okay. Uh, hi, who's this? Hi, this is Jerry out in Duluth, and I got, I've got, uh, I, I don't, I'm not quite sure what wife planted is. They're miniature irises or crocus on the south side of the house. Of course, we've got snowdrifts four feet deep in the yard, but the south side, right next to the basement foundation by the wood stove, has melted out. And these poor little things have popped up almost four inches. Well, the last time it snowed, I felt really sorry because it was getting below zero, so I threw, threw light snow over the top of them to kind of protect them. Should I just leave them or, or cover them up or see what happens when well. God does with them? First, congratulations. There's a sign of spring, right? Yeah, and, well, uh, I thought it's, it's really coming. It's trying. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we've got a little, little artificial situation with that heat bleed that comes from the foundation of the wood stove and so forth. Uh, enjoy them. I do think that light snow is a good option there. Uh, they, of course, if we get severely cold temperatures, uh, they are vulnerable. So I think your approach to a little light snow uh, is a good one. As a matter of fact, even if we get some premature uh, emergence of any of the other spring flowering bulbs, uh, from uh, tulips to uh, crocus, uh, scylla, and so forth, uh, if they come out too early because we've got a warm spot, uh, they all need a little bit of protection because they're certainly they might take frost, but they're certainly not going to take lower 20s or mid 20s. So, uh, first, congratulations as the first sign of uh, spring. But I do think that uh, you probably will want to be follow that same process. A little light snow. We don't want anything that uh, gets iced up on us. So if you can, if you can use just a little light snow on the on the surface there for protection, I think that's a very good idea. So it, very it, congratulations. It seemed, it seemed to work. We went through one cycle of snow and cold, and they rethawed out, and they they look they're still still surviving. So. They've survived over the years. I guess they're tough little buggers, so we'll see what happens. Oh, they are thanks. tough. <laughs> oh, thanks. thanks for that call. Yeah, appreciate that. If we look at uh, some of these plants, uh, Dave, we use the term naturalized. Now, tulips, we all love to grow them, but uh, they don't naturalize very well. In other words, they won't easily come back year after year after year uh, because our summers, believe it or not, are a little too warm to store the, store the actual energy that you have to to naturalize. Daffodils uh, will will naturalize, and they'll come back year after year. As a matter of fact, I've actually, I've used, I like to give memorial plants for people who have lost a loved one, and I, I did that with uh, someone who I knew their mother loved uh, daffodils. We planted them for them, and they're around 25 years later, and they wow. still bloom every spring. So daffodils are one that will naturalize. Iris are another uh, that will naturalize. So if you want something, and this kind of fits with this concept of sustainability, it kind of fits with this. We're talking about perennials that are our northern cottage gardens, so it fits with a lot of the themes right now. But uh, certainly, uh, Scylla, I think, will come back. Uh, tulips, which everybody loves, uh, are not going to naturalize. Maybe you'll get a second year if you're fortunate we almost have to treat those uh as annuals depending on uh, the space and where they're certainly grown dave all right we'll Great. take another break question yeah absolutely 942 now at kdal more of the bob olin show coming up all right bob we'll start out with another question from a caller hi who's this are you talking to me go ahead yep okay this is a houseplant question all right we have Ooh. a 
We have we have an um, a, a angel wing begonia, I think it is. It's been in the family for quite a few generations. But okay. I have a trouble. We, we have trouble with fungus gnats in our house. Oh, and, okay. And so I'm wondering if it's safe to cut off stalks and, and give those stalks to other people in the family, or shouldn't I do that? Uh, I think it's I think it's fine. Uh, the fungus gnat is going to be down okay. in the uh, in the soil. Yeah. yeah. Now tell me, we we do have a couple of uh, we have both fungus gnats, which can do a great deal of damage, and we've got something called columbula or springtail, which is an insect that also uh, is fine. So uh, describe them a little bit more to me. Are they jumping off the soil surface? No, I don't jump? see them jumping. No, but oh. but I've been using some of those yellow sticky, they're called traps, and, yes. you know, we get a lot of them on there. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah. and describe the insects that are trapped. Are they very, very fine-winged? Uh, Can you... <laughs> Okay, and they're small, so they you may not be able yeah. to. Well, we're not uh, completely sure uh, what the insect is. Uh, both are going to be soil borne, so uh, okay. I would say that you don't need to be concerned about passing uh, okay. cuttings off. I would say, okay. however, you always want to inspect them, and you might want to use a very mild, if nothing else. Uh, before you take the cuttings, you could use just a uh, a very uh, lukewarm or room temperature water spray, uh, just to make okay. sure that they're clean. Just make sure that they're clean. And if this yep. problem becomes more intense for you, uh, both of those insects can be controlled during uh, the growing season. You can use a little bit of a diluted malathion solution, but you can't use that inside. You need have to wait until we can move the uh, the plants oh, okay. outside, you, but we could talk a little bit more about that. Use a follow label directions, and the drench will take care of them and solve your your soil borne insect problem. But in the meantime, I think what I do is I just use water, uh, a temperature, temperature, room temperature, uh, water drench, and then go ahead and take the cuttings because both of these insects are soil borne, and they shouldn't be a, a problem in distributing. To your friends, so okay. you don't have to give your friends live, livestock along with the plants. <laughs> yeah, you can just yeah, give yeah. Just, just the plants. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Thanks okay. for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting deal. You don't want to send the bugs along with the plants. It just just the plants alone is good. Yeah, and and oftentimes people wonder where they come from. They do, in fact, come from uh, plants that are brought in either from wow. a, a neighbor, a gift, a relative, huh. something that's purchased. Uh, everyone in the indoor greenhouse setting can struggle with some of these insect pests. So, yeah, not passing them on, I think, is a good thing. Uh, I believe what she has is, is springtail, and that's uh, less damaging as well, but we can't really be sure till we see the actual insect. Probably pretty annoying, too, with those things flitting around. Oh, they are annoying, and uh, <laughs> they can spread to all your houseplants. Oh, so boy. We, that's why I mentioned to you. You kind of want to figure out a way to get those under control in a more permanent uh, manner. Right. And if it is fungus gnat, they can do a lot of damage. They not only eat the uh, the organics in the soil, but they can actually consume some of the uh, root tissue as well. So right. 
Insects in general, they have a different degree in terms of how much damage they can do. Some can just be annoying. Others can actually affect the overall health of the plant. All right, Bob, back to the phones we go. Who's this? This is Denny in Hermitone. Go ahead. Hello, Denny. Hey, Bob. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, Good morning. Naturally, the snowbanks are naturally the snowbanks are a little high. Unfortunately, they're underneath my my apple trees, and the bunny rabbits are having a good time on the branches. Wow! Wow! Uh, I know that. Will it, will, will it will it be killing the tree, or just kill the branch? It's just going to kill the branch. Now, what you might do if you have uh, and this can be snowshoe air that loves to be up there on the. Uh, uh, on the soil surface, and um, okay. we have both nails and snowshoes, but the snowshoe can do more of the, the damage. I would just look at the main stem, Dave. It's a good question. may sound a little ridiculous, but if you've got heavy rabbit populations, you don't want that main stem of the tree, and I've got to watch some of mine as, as well because uh, everything is above what we protected for typically. And uh, they can, in fact, uh, snowshoe air can do a lot of damage. They can girdle that tree, and they can basically kill the tree if we get to the main stem. The other branches, if we could just educate them, they could do a better job of pruning some of these up for us. But uh, those we can recover from, and I'm being uh, just a little, uh, it's just in jest there, of course. Uh, but that main leader, or if you got a twin leader, that's what we want to protect. And just some craft paper tree wrap, even at this point, I would not hesitate to get out there and get it wrapped above the snow line uh, because I have seen some damage uh, that is kind of catastrophic for some of these trees, particularly the young ones. If you got anything that's under five years old, I would really consider uh, getting a wrap on there to protect them. Well, they're cottontails, but uh, they just seem to be working on the branches. But I think I'm going to put a trap okay. out there, a live trap, bring them over to the neighbor yeah, and let them go over <laughs> There you go. Okay. We're giving away plants. We're giving away livestock. There you We're go. just so generous, aren't we? Spread the <laughs> yeah, wealth around. Lot, That's good. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Yeah. Uh, Cottondale, a lot less damage. And uh, it's the snowshoes that I've wow. seen them just devastate trees. Uh, they get real hungry. Everything gets a little hungry this time of year. That's been a long winter for anything that's out there in the wild. Deer as well. We're seeing a lot of... Uh, deer damage occurring that people never saw before because uh, they're wondering if this winter is ever going to end and tallow layers of course are getting a little lighter so they're out there feeding pretty aggressively. You may need to use snowshoes to get out to your tree to wrap them at this point but whatever it takes well, I guess. I'm, I'm not exaggerating I've used yeah. them myself but uh, <laughs> you, you, it's a real struggle out there trying to walk through these four yeah. foot bags I'll tell you. All right, we'll take another break. We'll be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show coming up. Coming up on 9.56 as we wrap up the Bob Olin Show this morning. Bob, today is the International Day of Forests, so I guess plant a tree in honor of that. Might be a little early to plant, but maybe hang on and plant it later. Also, uh, National Agriculture Week to celebrate this week, so there you go. Yeah, we got a lot of uh, national. You know, that's what's so great about working with you, Dave. You kind of update me on all of these, <laughs> everything that maybe I should know about. Yeah, Kenny Callagher uh, gave me that information, so. Well, say how to get for us. He you stays, bet. He stays abreast of that, so we're mm-hmm. very, very appreciative. Uh, yeah, egg is a big deal, and feeding people is a big deal, and I think the Ukraine war did point that out when we lost calories. We're seeing some of the inflation that's coming from that. Of course, but we're so fortunate, uh, even if it means just to pot out on your deck or on your patio, we can do a few things about that coming into the growing season. We can help out a little bit with the uh, with the food budget. Have 
have some fun in the meantime, you know? <laughs> kind of interesting. I think we are going to be talking about climate in the, probably the rest of our lifetime as we adjust to this changing scenario. But as you mentioned there, the forest, uh, planting trees, protecting them. Uh, gardening, you know, the great thing about this gardening hobby is uh, it has so many benefits. Uh, you can ha- you're helping the environment because green plants, of course, suck in CO2, kick out oxygen, and you can help yourself both psychologically and physically. I think uh, this is very important that people reconnect uh, with nature, and we got to we're going to be just a little bit more deliberative about that. You know, I mentioned on our spring gardening extravaganza on April 15th. I'm very pleased. I've got a chef working with one of our master gardeners. Actually, they're both master gardeners, and they're going to take uh, the herb discussion and uh, tell you how to use grow the herbs and how to use them in dishes uh, uh, to kind of uh, enhance the diet. So there's a physical component. Got another speaker that's talking about personalizing your garden space and taking a little look at maybe some of the psychological components that come along uh, with, uh, with doing a real nice job of being engaged in your garden and creating your own garden design. So lots of good stuff. Uh, you know, some people get a little discouraged. Uh, I tend to be optimistic about the future. We're going to go through uh, probably uh, some challenging weather experiences. Mm-hmm. I think we could say that with a certain amount of certainty as we as we uh, get off carbon and we start moving ahead in the future. But a lot of the technology is there. A lot of people working very hard and we're just, we're going to do our part by uh, by doing some gardening and and staying uh, optimistic and sane in the future. So, Dave, uh, we're looking forward. I wanted to touch, if we get a chance, just on some of the basics. If you're going to start some of your seed, we have a little time. Peppers are going to be first out. Uh, make sure you get quality seed. Make sure you got a good starting soil mix without any fertility. Uh, you're going to need light. So if you don't have a greenhouse, you got to have a light system 14 hours a day. With peppers, a little different than some of our other seed. Uh, find a warm spot. Uh, germination, 80 to 85 degrees is, is what you're looking for in very high humidity. If you're going to pre-soak the seed, remember uh, you can pre-soak for 24 hours or so. It'll give you a little bit of a jump, but then you've got to make sure that you don't put that into a dry media. Soak your media first before you uh, before you plant these seeds and keep it moist because once that seed germination process begins, then we don't want to shut it down with a real uh, dry uh, media that'll stop and, and potentially kill all your seeds. So we got to wrap it up, quick, Bob. Quick points. Have a very good day and you good too. week. We'll be back with you next week, Dave. Hopefully, it'll be more spring-like by next Tuesday. We'll see how that goes. Right now, with a cloudy sky, we have uh, 21 degrees over the hill, 25 downtown, 24 in Superior. Quite windy too. East winds 22, gusting to 31 miles an hour.